Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. And for more than 10 years with SNN, I've been doing interviews with microcap management teams at investor conferences globally, as well as online. Our SNN Live CEO video interviews are meant to pique interest, and then one can discover more by going to that company website. But personally, I always have more questions I want to ask. On this show, I'll be chatting with public company executives from microcap companies, and we'll dive deeper into companies that are rarely profiled. Microcap traditionally is overlooked, unloved, and absolutely never featured on legacy financial media outlets unless something material is going on that's a good story. With my experience interviewing management teams, having interviewed most of them before, I've built up a network of companies, so there will be no shortage of content. Furthermore, this is an opportunity for me to showcase some of the qualitative lessons I've learned from guests on the Planet Microcap podcast. You can expect high quality interviews with management teams that may have exposure to broader macro trends that you may never have thought of. One of the many reasons why I love the microcap space. So if you love microcaps and especially love learning about companies before the professionals do, let's start our due diligence. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party product services or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is Carl Wolf, chairman and CEO of Mama Mancini's publicly traded company. The symbol is MMMB on NASDAQ. The company is a marketer and distributor of specialty pre-prepared all-natural foods. Mama Mancini's product portfolio consists of meatballs, meatloaf, sausages, and possibles with beef, turkey, chicken, and pork varieties, as well as an assortment of chicken-based dishes, olives, savory products, and salads through its TNL Creative Salads and Olive Branch subsidiaries. The company's products are sold in over 45,000 locations nationwide, including at regional delis and retailers such as Sam's Club, ALDI Markets, Schnook Markets, Whole Foods, Publix, ShopRite, Stop and Shop, Costco, and Albertsons, as well as through national distributors such as Cisco and United Natural Foods. The company also maintains a direct-to-consumer presence on QVC and through Amazon Fresh. I've known Carl a long time and have sampled many meatballs at conferences over the years. And so I invited him on to discuss his capital allocation strategy, specifically in regards to M&A, how the company managed supply chain issues, and the specialty pre-prepared all-natural food space. And with that, please enjoy my conversation with Carl Wolf, chairman and CEO of Mama Mancini's. Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And joining me today is Carl Wolf. He's the chairman and CEO of Mama Mancini's. Publicly traded company, the symbol is M-M-M-B on NASDAQ. Carl, great to see you, man. Thank you for joining me today. Love it. Nice to see you right before the holiday right as before well. The holiday. Let's go. Let's do it. And, and as Carl indicated, we're, uh, we're actually recording this on Friday, April 15th. So uh, just in case if there's any news or anything like that, they just know that 
that's when we're recording this. But okay. Carl, we've known each other a long time. I've eaten many meatballs at many events over the years. So, <laughs> but for those that don't know the Mama Mancini story, and we're going to go through everything today, but what, what would you say is that one line that best describes Mama Mancini's? Um, well, it's delicious. Delicious product, all natural, and um, good for you. I like it. I like it. All right. So as, as I kind of alluded to, I've eaten a lot of meatballs. I've known you for a long time. I think the first time I did an interview with you was January 2015. Um, yeah, I know. It's been, it's been a minute, dude. We've known each other for a while. I think um, you were single then, weren't you? <laughs> no, no. I was, I, my wife was my girlfriend at the time. But it was definitely but before kids. Not yeah. married yet, and definitely before two kids. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll, can you, I'll, let's get a little history of the company. You know, what, what was the original problem Mama Mancini's was looking to solve? And how has that evolved or changed over time? Okay. So in all honesty, the company started as uh, throwing meatball against the, the wall uh, strategy. We, uh, our family owned a... Um, frozen appetizer company and in 2000 uh, upscale in 2008 uh, we got hit by the recession very hard uh, people weren't having parties and we sold to upscale uh, people like William Sonoma etc business was we were down about 35 percent so we brought in an outside consultant we looked at our line and we said the best thing we had in our line was this little product uh Mama Mancini's meatballs that uh, we were doing about $35,000 a year. So in any case, uh, we decided to back that and support it. We started growing it, raised some, uh, raised money, grew very slowly. It went public, uh, I think about 2014 and uh, grew it step-by-step, a uh, very different company uh, today than it was back then. Um, uh, prior to this, I had uh, developed with my wife a company called Alpine Lace Brands. We got it to about a couple hundred million dollars of retail. We sold it through Merrill. We were a NASDAQ listed as well. Sold it uh, through Merrill Lynch very successfully and um, did ventures and various things between 1998 and uh, bought an appetizer plant in 2001, built, uh, built a new plant. 2004, and then we got hit by the recession. So we had history in food, and um, we developed, uh, you know, a whole product line. And now we're in about 45,000 locations. We've made a very significant acquisition in uh, December of this year of two related companies. We're looking at other acquisitions. We think we have a good shot at a hundred million dollar run rate uh, by the end of this year or sooner. Uh, so our business is expanding very, very rapidly. Um, and that's the history, but we've gone through a lot of reiterations and uh, people, not, not so much people, but upgrading of our, uh, our business. Uh, and uh, what's very interesting is the industry, which is the uh, club store and uh, major retail chains in many respects is uh, back 30, 40 years relationships are very important. Once we get a customer uh, to really taste our product and know of our marketing programs, uh, we very, very lose the customer. So 
Uh, it's been very, so the key is to keep filling in and getting, and getting new customers and getting new products into the existing customer base. So with the acquisition that we have right now, uh, we have new products to present to our customer base and they have some customers uh, in their base that we don't sell and we're bringing best practices to them such as uh, more cost-efficient packaging, uh, trucking, um, some production uh, uh, activities or uh, equipment and in turn uh, they have brought us um, you know, a whole line of products to sell. So thus far it looks very positive. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit more. You know, I got I got some more questions on background, actually, sure. but 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 clearly that's been some of the biggest news from the company. I think that came out in December 2021. So yeah. can, t- tell us a little bit more about these acquisitions. You know, according to the release, it's two premier gourmet food manufacturers. So right. love to understand a little bit more. So anyway, we had uh, started uh, in January of last year looking at uh, acquisitions and uh, we had a number of candidates. Um, pretty much geared it up in my early career. I worked as an acquisitions and, uh, and mergers specialist. Uh, so I was very aware, aware of the process and uh, the due diligence needed and so forth. So we, we spread out a net to get what you want to do if you're making acquisitions is you have your criteria, but also you want to have as many opportunities as practical that meet that criteria. So uh, we had uh, maybe 30, 40 opportunities presented to us. Uh, many of them, the smaller ones were significantly overpriced. Um, uh, and some of the larger ones uh, were okay, but di- didn't have a fit. Um, also, we found in mo- all the acquisitions were private companies. We also found that uh, in certain situations, they were very creative in their uh, adjusted EBITDA and those adjustments were like no management, you know, no facilities and so forth. So, um, you know, we had to look at what the real numbers were. And uh, we, so by May, we had uh, pretty much settled on the existing TNL Creative Salads and Olive Branch. Um, we liked them. And then in July, we signed a, a letter of intent and then uh, we closed. Due diligence always takes longer than you think. And we closed in December. So um, the virtue of the company is that um, they concentrate on a different product line than we presently sell at Mama Mancini's. They're very big in um, chicken products, um, particularly grilled chicken breast and all different forms of iterations from uh, plain to... uh, uh, teriyaki to Mediterranean to Italian style and so forth, barbecue. Um, so they're all, and they sell it a, a whole breast or a uh, in strips. So there is a very that's a very very big category in both food service and in um, uh, retail. Uh, so that was a very key, key key part of their line. In addition to that. They make cooked uh, turkey breast, uh, and um, they have a whole salad line, which they sell to some supermarket chains, but also uh, sell to a local trade. They have local trucks, and they sell to a number of distributors who sell to that trade as well. So that represents about 25% of their business, uh, and um, 
we now are looking to take some of those items into Mama Mancini's customers and hopefully sell those products. Plus, uh, we'll be presenting, I think, at the end of April, the first QVC item that is from uh, TNL, but there'll be many, many more items. So it's been very good. We have already announced uh, four new items going into BJ's, a very large club store chain on the East Coast. And those are derived from TNL, but we have many more items coming from TNL into many more chains. So it's been a very significant uh, potential increase in volume, takes time. <clears throat> and in turn, uh, TNL is now starting to uh, buy products from Mama Mancini's and sell them to their trade. Their uh, first major PO purchase order just came in uh, yesterday, in fact, uh, for a nice amount of volume. So the cross opportunities in selling is very, very positive uh, for both companies. What also is very positive is that uh, we've been able to resource significant savings in packaging for uh, TNL Creative Salads. And um, we are also uh, resourcing some commodity items as well, which we think will be very helpful, and trucking. It's very helpful. So we've been able to uh, lower, potentially lower TNL's cost, uh, increase sales, both from Mountain Mancini's and TNL. We're now inviting TNL's production people over to visit Mountain Mancini's to see if there's any um, uh, best practices that they can reflect. Um, in addition to that, we're looking at a number of labor-saving equipment and pieces for TNL, which um, our key management person, Matt Brown, is actually there today. So it looks well. What we haven't done yet is fully integrate uh, their uh, accounting system with ours. We've just uh, implemented NetSuite. We're still um, uh, in the learning stage, but if all goes well by the middle of the year, we'll, we'll move NetSuite into TNL as well. We'll have a you know a similar set of set of accounting uh, numbers. So uh, that's positive. And as I mentioned before, we are looking at other, other acquisitions as well. Hey, Carl, I wanted to ask about that because, you know, I remember seeing that release. I think you, you put it out, what you, I think you just said January, 2021, that you were looking at that. What were some of the reasonings behind, you know, publicly announcing that the company is looking at acquisitions? Oh, because you wanted to, uh, oh, absolutely. We got a number of of uh, inquiries and we, mm -hmm. we basically you have a network sure. and then, you know, we use pitch book to identify a number of uh, potential companies that we contacted. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's a little more economical in terms of purchase price. If someone is looking to sell their business. So what are, what was the, the criteria? We were looking for companies that established a nice business, but in a local geographic area or limited so their products had proved themselves and they had an operating procedure uh, and costing and, you know, they were uh, complete businesses, but had stalled on sales because for whatever the reasons, management got tired, family, a whole host of things. So those were the type of businesses we looked for and TNL fit that criteria. It was basically a New York Metro uh, company with some national accounts. Um, so that was uh, 
the first criteria. The second criteria was profitability, had to be profitable. Uh, third criteria was uh, we had to have certain key management stay because we were not going to go in and run that. So and we've had that. Uh, in the case of TNL, it was a family and other members of the family wanted to retire. So that worked out thus far, it seems to have worked out very, very well. Um, the next criteria, of course, is to be in a growing segment of the industry. And we're, our key business is selling to the prepared food sections of supermarkets. And that is growing very rapidly. As I'm, if you go to our deck, uh, you will see a whole section on uh, that section of the store is growing 8 10% a year. Um, so, um, so it met, met our criteria, then, of course, price. So we, we would very much hope that the acquisition would be accretive. Um, if it wasn't accretive, we weren't looking to buy, weren't looking to buy. There's a lot of opportunities. So uh, we've completed our first one and uh, we're now looking for others. But as I mentioned before, we're expecting to do very, very significant volume in here. So how are you thinking about the, the brand as well when you're thinking about these acquisitions? Because Mama Mancini's, it's, you know, it's traditionally been Italian cuisine. You know, is, is that something that you, you keep in mind? Like, all right, we want to look more for these things or are you just looking at any type of value creative opportunity? Well, some of the products yeah. are, we go right into Mama Mancini's brand. Sure. Such as uh, Italian grilled chicken. Right. Is, uh, or, or Mediterranean grilled chicken. That's a very, very big item. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, we're developing a whole panini line, which is Italian. So there's, and olives are definitely Italian. So there are segments of their uh, business that are uh, very, very uh, Italian oriented. So we have a new item, uh, meatballs in a cup, um, which uh, it, uh, it's a little early, but it appears to be very, very well received. We sold that on QVC and, uh, two times. Uh, and um, re the response has been wonderful for it. So um, TNL now has a number of customers, airline customers, who are interested in buying that product as a it's a high protein snack, um, which you know there's a segment of the market that wants it. So if you're on an airline trip and you're you know they're not giving you food unless it's first class and um, you have an afternoon snack you want to give someone or, you know, another snack, and then you can get a candy bar or get a meatballs in a cup. You know, there are a lot of people who are going to want the meatballs in a cup. Right. Low cal the, the whole um, seven-ounce portion is 230 calories, 15 grams of protein, um, has antioxidants in the sauce. So there's a, So the synergies are there. Um, and opportunities, and it seems to be going very, very well. Hey, Carl, for those who aren't familiar with that, haven't been following the story for as long as I have, or known you as long as I have, what would you say were some of the inflection points that got you to where you're at today, where now you're expanding the product line, looking at various acquisitions? So in the mid-teens, up to about 2016, we were very, very much trying to sell a frozen product in a branded box. And we, there was slotting fees and a lot of promotional and merchandising allowances. And um, you'll see in our deck also, we have 92% um, intent to buy again, which is phenomenal. Except in the frozen section, the supermarkets, in the meatball section, 
you have a customer that is very price oriented. So while they loved our product and we had great, uh, you know, great reviews, when the next product was on sale, they, it was very promotional oriented. So over time, it really wasn't a profitable business. It was a good sales business, but very unprofitable. So we were in the process of raising about $15 million to further develop the brand. And uh, through a banker, whose name I'm not going to mention, but you know we did everything, the, the whole package. And the deal collapsed in the last few days. So we didn't raise anything. And it, that was an inflection point because we had 500,000 in the bank and we were losing 300,000, burning 300 to 350 a month. So we had about a month and a half on the very short term. And, you know, we, we knew the deli part of the business was very profitable. So the inflection was we uh, got out of the unprofitable business, moved towards the more profitable. We raised some cap. We, found some capital to raise, cut the company to break even by the spring. And from there, we went on to profitability. So that was very, very important. So we're branded uh, um, uh, within the Delhi case. Also, we've developed a very, very um, positive uh, line selling to club stores, a, a large economy pack. So we sell Costco. We're now in a major, major rotation in Sam's Club, uh, where they're, uh, we're in their um, bonus book or coupon book nationally, going to millions of consumers. And that will be good for the month of May. Uh, and we start BJ's uh, in uh, August with our, um, our branded three-pound pack. Um, it's a jumbo meatball, and the jump, whatever the reasons, a jumbo meatball tastes better than a small meat. Not the small meatball is bad, but the jumbo meatball is is great, great product. So I think that will continue to expand, and I think that uh, it's very early to say, but that meatballs in a cup is the grand slam of all grand slams of products. It's branded, and I mentioned it had all these various attributes. And we can sell that product in convenience stores. There's over 100,000 of them. We can sell it in supermarkets, grab and go. We can sell it on QVCs. We just sold it. Uh, sports venues, uh, transportation hubs, uh, colleges and universities, corporate feeding, um, multi-pack in club stores. So there's all sorts. So we're talking about if we do reasonably well, way beyond the volume that we're doing at present, just in that one skew. Very early, we've taken it very slow. Uh, there's been some technical issues, which we solved in the packaging. And uh, again, we'll be getting our first convenience store orders in the next week or two. Um, and then we'll test there and then roll out because we think it's too valuable. You know, we could get more business to begin with, but we want to make sure that what we think are the virtues of the product and that it sells. So if we sell a couple hundred convenience stores and we have some issues uh, in terms of packaging or quality or whatever, that we can solve it and not destroy our business with the rest of the potential trade. Um, so there is a lot of tweaking to do, uh, et cetera. But anyway, we're very, very hopeful on that product line. I think 
you know, it's a game changer for the company. The other uh, product line. So we have a club store family pack. We have uh, meatballs in a cup. Uh, we have what we call pasta bowls or meals to go. And now we've added uh, in there. What we do is we sell a kit. Think of uh, Blue Apron. We sell a kit to the supermarket chain. Uh, the elements of the kit are frozen. Uh, so, the soup, and the, and so it has a shelf life of a year. The supermarket chain uh, takes the kit, defrosts it for a day, and then builds four per, per sub box, they build four pasta bowls. Or in certain cases, they'll build two for a larger pack. Each one weighs about a pound. And so they put a layer of pasta, a layer of sauce, a protein, more sauce, and then cheese. So all that's in the kit. And as a result, when you purchase it for in-home eating, it's very fresh versus um, other type products. There's a product that's shipped refrigerated that has 75 days. The product does hold up in terms of pathogens. However, if you have sauce sitting in product uh, with pasta or whatever for long days, everything melts together. So you, you lose flavor profile. So we have another product which you just started selling in January where we put together the kit and then flash freeze it. It goes to the supermarket chain, it defrosts in one day, and then they put it out on the shelf. And that product is starting to pick up a lot of business. So those are, beside, aside from you know, growth of our existing product line in new areas and so forth, um, and new customers and the cross, you know, the cr cross sales through uh, both companies. Um, this is, uh, you know, a very rapidly growing area. So we have uh, started to get some very, very significant commitments. And I think we'll be getting many more. Uh, the advantage of the, uh, what we call meals for one is that um, labor and supermarket chains are tight. So they like a product uh, that isn't first it's the product quality is very high so they're not compromising their quality so that was one of the issues we had in the past was by making this product a la swanson dinners which everyone remembers or still is around you know you have uh, very me mediocre quality <clears throat> so the key was to have really really high quality where they didn't have the labor so that is in the process of uh, growing in fact we're thinking that we'll be outstripping our capacity and figuring out how we go the next, the next phase of that. So things look very, very good. That's very positive. What's been um, an issue has been the very, very rapid increases in inflation. So I was just going to, let me set you up for that because I know, I mean, clearly in 2020, many companies face challenges I'd say for Mama Mancini's, the number one challenge was the deli line, right? Because there, that just wasn't open, right? Right. That you've rebounded since then, but now this the new challenge coming up is with supply chain. So maybe first, how you handled that that challenge from 2020 with deli and how that's opened back up, and then also now the current challenge with supply chain and inflation. So in 2020, right? although um, the traditional deli closed and the hot bars closed, we had business with the hot bars. Uh, we, we sell Whole Foods National. Um, so Whole Foods moved from the hot bar 
to uh, a grab and go. So chains, so basically most chains went to grab and go when they closed the hot bar or they closed the deli. So we had business there. And the other thing that happened is club stores got a much higher percentage of business and we sold club stores. So we held up very, very well with that challenge. The issue uh, right now is that protein prices, chicken, beef, to an extent pork, now turkey, have all risen beyond the, the highest prices that they have ever. And by chicken, I'm talking about uh, a chicken breast, um, whereas whole chickens are up, but not nearly as much as chicken breast. Why are chicken breasts up? It's just the side because of um, Popeyes. Uh, Popeyes, the chicken chain, um, had a major, major increase in business when they went to a whole chicken breast sandwich. And now McDonald's, uh, Burger King, you know, Chick-fil-A, everyone has followed. Even now, uh, Panera has one. Um, so as a result, the price of chicken breast, whereas in the past when you ordered a chicken breast, let's say from Burger King, you had white meat. Uh, was potentially pressed together. There wasn't one a one single premium piece. Uh, so you have chicken tenders and other pieces that are the, the back part of the breast. So this is the heart of the breast. So there's a, uh, so as volume has dramatically increased, that demand has skyrocketed. So the price of chicken breasts have uh, gone up around fourfold in the last 18 months. The price of uh, beef has just about doubled. Uh, ground beef has doubled. Um, pork uh, is not a major element. Right now, turkey is just, there's um, a um, bird flu, so turkey prices. So uh, that has been an issue, and the old rules um, are changing. So an example in our olive business, olives have, have gone up modestly, but the price of oil, I'm talking about uh, you know olive oil that you, you put the olives in, has gone up tremendously. The price, almost all the olives are sold in a plastic package. You've seen it where you pick up a package. Well, the price of that plastic package has gone up dramatically because of oil price. Plastics made out as a derivative of petroleum. So we're faced with, and then price of freight has gone way up. So all that um, plus flour now has gone way up for the pasta elements. So we've been facing uh, very, very major price increases. Um, and the feeling was that by the fall, where they were already very, very high, that they would back off. Well, they haven't. They stabilized and then started going up again. And now they stabilized and started going up again. So the new rules are totally different from anything in the old environment. So our view is... Uh, you have to get price increases through. If we get price increases, we have to give price increases. We can't wait uh, the normal amount of time to implement it. So we're moving very, very rapidly uh, with that and our margins. So we've had some impingement of margins uh, um, you know, since uh, September, and now we're starting to correct that and we'll see more. But our view is whatever happens, we have to pass on and we can't worry about it. So it's a whole nother philosophy. Whereas in the past, you would say, I don't know whether I should put the price increase through what would hurt my volume, et cetera. What's very interesting is that people like Canavera and others are saying that the 
price increases they've put through thus far has not affected unit demand. So, uh, which that's is a, very, that's interesting. So, I think there will come. You have to remember that there's two trillion dollars of uh, uh, additional savings in Americans' account right now than there was uh, two years ago. So, uh, it's uh, a lot of money. Economy's twenty trillion dollars. Yeah. So there's a, a lot of money still uh, backed up. So if, if you received uh, eight, $9,000 in government subsidies and you're getting $3,600 per kid um, in subsidies and uh, got extensive unemployment where your one spouse really wanted to work, you had it all up, it's a lot of money. Plus you have inflation. And if you're home, um, was worth 300,000 and now it's worth 390 and you had a $240,000 mortgage, you've just increased your net worth from 60 to $150,000. And if you had a, an IRA worth 40,000, it's now worth 60. So the typical net worth of homeowners, especially when you have, and the savings they have, et cetera, is up over a hundred percent. So even though there's high inflation, the consumer thus far is not backing off. Uh, they're continuing to purchase because they now have so much more net worth and, that, and uh, value. Plus, they, if they feel, even if they are eating into their savings, et cetera, they feel they can get another job. So people are browsing and upset, but they're continuing to purchase in the same manner. So we can't control it. There's, so the old rules are gone. Yeah. So we have to move ahead and whatever pricing comes into us, we have to uh, push forward. So we expect our margins, if we're going to be running at a hundred million rate and our margins normalize to seven to 8% um, operating profit, you know, you're talking about a seven, $8 million profit. If again, these are, you know, there's no guarantees, uh, but these are uh, goals for us. But you have a company, you know, with um, 36 million shares outstanding. You know, you're talking 20 cents a share pre-tax. So there's a lot of value, you know, in the, the company's trading at, you know, a modest price right now. So there's a lot, a lot of potential value in the company. Absolutely. You know, I ask this to every company on here, and you've, you've already, you've kind of addressed it already a little bit here. But in your opinion, what, what would you say are some of the downside risks right now? When, when you're you're taking a step back and you're looking at Mama Mancini's as-, as For us or for everyone? <laughs> well, isn't it both? <laughs> well, for everyone. Well, uh, for us, we, uh, it could be that the, what is, our, what is relatively high inflation just becomes uh, super. So that it is so fat, you know, you have to adapt to such rapid changing a la Venezuela or someone else, which I think is very unlikely. I think there will be, resistance developing at least a segment of the population will resist because they can't that segment doesn't own homes or their equity didn't go up and so forth so um so there will be some impingement of demand but there is uh, a risk that you could have hyperinflation and then uh it means we have to scramble to absorb that which means if there's hyperinflation literally you have to raise your prices every week so you have to put that installation in and also have enough inventory to cover you for that week. Um, I don't think that'll happen, but that's a risk. Um, the other risk is um, 
we have several very large cut. We have about eight large customers and, you know, you run the risk of any of them um, of losing that business, et cetera. But, and then uh, there's another risk in which we're dealing with, which is adding to our management as we grow and as we make more acquisitions, et cetera, and become a larger company, you definitely need another structure in the company. So Carl, what, you know, look, I think anybody listening, watching, and again, that's even extremely passively followed Mama Mancini's like that, you know, you can almost, it's just always been one word meatballs. Like you just know, Oh, meatballs. Right. But what would you say investors, you know, from your conversations, going to all these events over the years and having your investor meetings, you know, talking even with the board, what do folks still misunderstand? About Mama we really are a full Italian line and a lot of pasta and sauces involved in it, and that will continue. Um, so as we expand, um, example, we have authorized at Albertson Safeway 12 different what we call pasta bowl lines. Now, each division doesn't handle it, and we're rolling, and they're not in all stores and all divisions. They're converting stores. So what is modest-sized business now will become... Uh, tremendous business within a year um, and they will start taking on more items. So an example, we sell Publix five possible items. Uh, Publix, our number one customer at Mama Mancini's. So we just presented four more items, which are non-competitive. They don't have that item on the shelf. So, and that's the grab and go section. They're expanding their grab and go section um, because, you know, it works for them. So, uh, so it really is our, our um, meatball part of our business is becoming smaller as a percentage of sale. We're getting new meatball business, uh, but the major growth is now in other products. Got it. You know, m- one of my goals for today's interview is that I, w- I really wanted to try and make you laugh. So here's my attempt at trying <laughs> to make you laugh right now. You know, I think the last event that I saw you back in 2019, you were doing the meatless meatballs. Yeah. What would Grandmother Anna, Grandmother Mancini, think about the meatless meatball? Uh, fair. Uh, our product, actually, our meatless meatball is probably the best in the, uh, in the industry because we have to grind it several times. We had a number of ingredients. We may, maybe have done about 100 recipes on it. Um, and finally come up with one that's pretty good, very good. The issue you have though, is that for us, the meatless product really didn't make it with consumer demand as, um, we're selling some, but it's not uh, running off the shelf. And I think, um, you know, if you look at, um, the numbers of some of the major meatless companies, they're having uh, some issues right now. I think, you know, everyone got in front of themselves. And, yeah. um, and it hyped too much instead of, a, you know, an evolutionary growth. Um, I do think there's a market for vegetarian meatballs that will continue to grow. Um, also, there was a very, very, on the meatless product, there was a very big negative uh, um, uh, news put out mainly by the uh, cattle uh, people about how overly processed the product was. And they really had to come out with a totally natural product. So when you read the ingredients, it was uh, tough. And they, 
appeal uh, people who are going to buy the meatless meatball, which is much more expensive, meatless uh, 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 beef. It's much more expensive than ground beef at the time, even much more so back then. Um, they are more um, educated and they were people who read labels. And so that the people read the labels and rejected it. So uh, example, I'm in Florida right now. They took off the, uh, uh, they took off the uh, uh, meatless uh, burger because it didn't sell. It was selling okay and then it slowed down to nothing because there's just this view that the product is too processed, I think. Mm, yeah. If you want a burger, eat a burger. I mean, that, that was kind of like, you know, my wife and I, when we were looking, we were like, not, I'm not talking about specifically Mama Man Sees Meatball, but just in general, we we're like, eh, I don't know. This seems like there's so much. Oh, well, it got a bad rep. Yeah. We didn't handle it right. There's not enough virtues in it. But I will say, in fairness, when I did have the Mama Mancini's meatballs with the sauce, it was it was very good. I had I was I was yes. eating it all day. Full disclosure, I'm not a shareholder. I just enjoyed the meatballs with the sauce. So it, it just okay, good. See, you like I I, I I made you smile. There we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, um, from a corporate perspective, you know, um, there there's been some new additions to the board. I've known Connor a long time as well. I've, sure. yeah, I've interviewed him for Planet Microcap many times. Um, he's presented our events. So what's what what was some of the the, the reasonings and and you know this kind of I don't know if it's a restructuring necessarily, but some of these additions to the board that you've seen that you, that that the company's experienced in the last year. Okay, well the original board we had was still on. Are people I've known for. Two of them I've known for a long, long time. I'm talking about the outside directors. And um, they are very heavily related to the supermarket business in the New York metropolitan area. From them, uh, there was another investor who was the CEO of uh, ShopRite Supermarkets, a very big supermarket chain. So we had three people on our board that were very New York-centric, New York retail-centric, we had management, Steve Burns, Matt Brown, and myself. And I felt I wanted to bring some outside people into the board. Connor Haley, uh, company, Old Fox, owned about 5% of our shares. And uh, he was interested in being on the board for a whole host of reasons. And so he's been very active as a board member uh, and has given us a lot of insight. Uh, in fact, we had a, bo a board meeting this today, uh, earlier today. Um, and um, uh, Mike Stangle was the head of um, all um, 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 events or, you know, or, or um, um, conference centers at Marriott. So uh, that uh, represented about a $2 billion business. So he had extensive uh, background in uh, food service. Uh, plus, he's a very smart man. Both of them are very smart. So we have new input. And when you have uh, less of a club, you know, people who've known each other for a long time with some outsiders, you definitely have a much better discipline in the board. So um, I think it was necessary uh, and very beneficial to the company. Very good. All right. I only got two more questions for you. So my, my next question for you now is, uh, you know, in three to five years, you know, where, where do you see the business? 
going, you know, from what you can tell us, of course, but where would you like to see it? And what would you say are some of the other catalysts or that or inflection points that need to happen in order for it to, to get to where you want it to be? I think we'll be a several hundred million dollar company with uh, some acquisitions, which would be very significantly accretive. Uh, I think we will uh, increase the um, management's capabilities. We'll be adding to the management staff. Um, I think, quite honestly, I'll be, you know, no longer in an active operating role in the company. Need it. Founders are great. I'm a great, I think a great entrepreneur, but now you need people who uh, are uh, more everyday operations, et cetera. So I think we need some of that. Uh, And I think our margins will be up there, you know, in our stock value, if all goes well, you know, et cetera, our stock value could be significant multiple of what it is now. So uh, all, I think relating to very similar products in, um, Fresh, fresh goods. I don't see us going into the frozen cake. We may. It's a great opportunity, but that's not our first priority. The fresh goods area is where uh, the growth is in the supermarket. It's interesting that the same customer who goes in the frozen aisle will wear blinders to pricing versus they go over to the prepared food section and they just say, you know, $8.99 for a meal. I have to cost me 15 or 18 dollars at a modest now it's more 25 dollars at a modest restaurant you pick it up and it's an alternative for it whereas they go in the frozen section and they're looking at you know everything they only buying on what's on promotion same thing has happened in the grocery aisle which was relieved for two years because of covid so people were um, you know buying up what they could but that has been declining consistently so uh, it's been very very hard so people like kellogg's and general mills etc uh have um, price have moved toward more price promotions um i don't know if you understand how the category manager works with these big brand uh, cpg brands but basically you have goals of hitting certain sales and certain marketing dollars so you can decide how you spend your marketing dollars. So if you're off by, by one, 2% in your, sa- your sales for the quarter, you're going to move over to promotions rather than, uh, you know, other types of, there's a million different types of marketing tools you could use. So as a result, um, there's been more price for Now everything is out the wall right now, short term, because there's su- supply chain issues. So you can't get the cereal, that the cost of grain is up. So they're ra- just finding product and raising prices. So eventually this will all settle down. But so we're in the right section of the supermarket. Uh, we will have uh, more, I think, more growth of our own and more acquisitions and more products. Uh, we've been interviewing key management people. And, you know, we have three areas to grow internally, what we have innovative new products and acquisitions. So all three things are happening with our company and that's what we're doing. Very good. Well, Carl, my final, final question for you today. And really? already, I swear it's the last one. We got, we got, we got, we got a lot to eat today. You know, it's, okay. it's Passover for us. Right. Um, <laughs> so to close us out here, you know, um, do you enjoy being a public company CEO? You know, what's, what's been the experience? Been well, like? I like the tension. 
although at times it's nerve wracking, <laughs> but um, there's a certain tension of um, performing. Uh, the biggest issue is uh, quarter to quarter analysis and making, you know, making your quarters. So we're very careful to uh, not really give significant guidance because um, a lot can happen. So we give overall guidance for the long term um, and feel comfortable with that. But I think that's the biggest problem that people live from quarter, quarter to quarter a public company but other than that i think i i don't have any complaints it's a, a vehicle race capital and it's a vehicle if one day for us to uh, you know uh, get some equity into our families now that's a great place to end it so carl with that where can our audience go and find more information on mama mancini's you can go to our website uh www www.mamamancinis.com, no apostrophe S. Uh, and uh, go under investors. And there is uh, an investor deck on there. And there also is, you can go to reports. There's a very uh, complete report uh, written by Tagus Brothers. Also, we have sales literature on there. And you can hit uh, and, and a review of all our products. Uh, you can um, see them to get a review of them. You also may want to go to the QVC page uh, where we have had uh, extensive uh, presentations. We just were on uh, Wednesday with two um, with the meatballs in a cup and uh, uh, cocktail meatballs. So. You, guys are on, you guys are on QVC more than uh, Laurie Grenier at this point. I mean, uh... <laughs> I think we are, we're considered one of the top uh, QVC uh, items and we are, um, we won several awards at QVC. We won uh, best sauce. We won uh, best brand in the food industry, and we won best meatballs. It so, still it still works, huh? QVC. Yeah, QVC, QVC is very. Uh, actually, when COVID started, QVC sales increased very dramatically, uh, and QVC uh, works. Uh, you know, you can find uh, ways to buy product a lot cheaper than QVC. However, what, most of what we make for QVC is in a unique package for them. So they uh, have some uh, distinction, but it does work. And, you know, there's a segment of the population that uh, wants convenience delivered to their door, et cetera. So QVC does work. They're in over hundred million homes. So. And we're one of the top performers uh, of all their food lines. Well, Carl, with that, Thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast.